Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. And if you're not sick of me yet, you're never going to be because I'm telling you what, this is going to be another amazing show. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated, informed decisions about how you want to participate in the industry, how and where you select your products from, and more importantly, how you approach your own health care, the well-being of your family members and loved ones, or otherwise caring for this beautiful gift of life that we all get to enjoy here. If you are a person looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or established business owner trying to break through the glass ceilings and brick walls that the hemp industry has in store for you, have no fear. We are here to help. Check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for some tips, tricks, resources, and relationships that you can use to succeed quickly in this space. We are excited to invite yet another set uh, of incredible entrepreneurs who are creating massive change through their fully vertically integrated company, Fanny's a Fa- Franny's a Pharmacy. That is a tongue twister. Franny's Pharmacy is a vertically integrated family of businesses that includes a farm, growers network, manufacturing, distribution, franchising, and dispensary businesses. They are the first female-owned hemp farm in North Carolina in over 75 years, drawing national recognition and press. Smart move guys. Franny's Pharmacy businesses are based on years of experience and knowledge, providing value and CBD products that you can trust, delivered by their very successful e-commerce and franchise dispensary model. Here to share a little bit more about the change that they are creating and the success stories that they are celebrating. Please put your hands together and help me welcome my good friends, Jeff and Brandon. What's going on, guys? Well, we're super excited to be here. You know, when you do an intro that's that good, it's pretty hard to follow up. But Not when you're that good looking, though, Guapos. I'll tell you what, they'll just be distracted <laughs> by all the rest of it. <laughs> I, I like your style. That's a good way. Flattery will go a long way. <laughs> I got it on deck. I got it on deck. Hey, guys, why don't you quick and dirty tell us a little bit about who you are, what your background is, what roles you're playing in the company, and how the hell did you end up in the can of boom? All right. This is awesome. I love it. One of my favorite subjects to talk about, but um, I'm Jeff Tacey. I'm the CEO for Everything Frannies. And, you know, I am the basically person behind the operations for everything that we're doing in our vertically integrated businesses. And, you know, we've been very blessed that we got in really early 
And we were able to go out and get a pretty good market share. And every day, every week, every month, we just continue to grow our business and expand out from local to regional to national. And sitting beside me here is uh, Brandon Bobart. He yeah. is our director of franchising. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Thank you for <clears throat> excuse me for having us today. I'm super excited. Yeah, so I'm director of franchising. Uh, Jeff and I have worked side by side uh, for going on a year now. Um, we, with along with our team, developed uh, a, a package to take our dispensary concept and make it a turnkey model for uh, you know your your local businessmen and, and towns and local communities. So uh, we worked with the company uh, Franchise Marketing Systems uh, this summer, and we put together an FDD. And we've been out since August of this year selling franchises. Um, we've now sold seven franchises in five states: Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Um, you know, we along the way have, have really been able to impact uh, a couple things. You know, we're two of our big missions at Franny's are supporting local farmers and putting more females in charge. So the more franchises we open, the more stores we can, uh, you know, we can supply with product and then in turn put more females in charge and support more farmers. Oh, I got to tell you, Franny is a hot bag of babe. All right. And hippie and high heels. I call myself the stiletto stoner. So is she my soul sister or not? I got to be honest. It's likely like that could be the case. So (laughs) I have have a funny story for you, how we got started in this industry. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. So in 2018, we were into our second season of growing and we prepped the field. And um, just for the record, I'm the husband half of the farm too. So Franny's my wife. Um, But um, you know, we had clones, so we've got, you know, a couple thousand clones in the ground and they're about six inches tall. And I looked at my wife and I said, all right, honey, we're $30,000 into this grow. We got six inch tall plants. How do we make our money back? And she looked at me and she said, I don't know. I want to grow cannabis. And I said, okay, cool. I'm going to go out and see if I can figure this out. And, you know, one thing led to another and we launched the first dispensary and, you know, after that, we uh, opened another dispensary and a distribution business, manufacturing business. Brandon came on board and we launched the franchise company and um, we're just off and running. And uh, right now, the outlook is very positive and great. And we're super excited to be where we are um, as a brand in this industry. You should be. It's such an incredible thing. You guys did such a great job with branding. I'm checking out your products right now. I think you have such a great diverse um, set of products, which I'm really excited about. I think a lot of the questions that we get asked from our um, consumer following is what brand should we be buying from and why? And this is a lot of the motivation why we started um, the Hemp Revolution because gone are the days where I feel like people are buying products. They're much more interested in the people behind the products and the projects. They want to be able to know that what they're what they're supporting, what their money is going towards. So I'm, I, you know, I've been following you guys for a bit. I'm super aware of all of the can of boss babes that are out there. So Franny definitely falls in line and, and good job riding on the p- coattails. My, my husband is a similar where she, uh, where I'm out in front a lot and he's in the background making all the magic happen. So we don't take you for granted either. I'm sure that your, your role could not be replaced. Talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, to get to where you guys are at, it sounds sexy. It feels really super sexy. And I think mm-hmm. that there's a reputation within the industry right now that seems like even though the, the industry is quote unquote cash rich, 
people assume that it's easy money. And the trials and tribulations if you that you hear when you actually sit down and have a conversation with an entrepreneur who's pioneered the pathways, certainly in your neck of the woods, um, it is not easy money. There's many, many different roadblocks and challenges that you have to overcome to get to where you guys are at right now. Why don't you quick tell me the story, not or not quick, but tell me the story from you shared a little bit about the concept of it. But, you know, first of all, what made you guys decide to jump into the cannabis or hemp industry first place, number one? And number two, could you have ever anticipated the challenges that you would face as a new entrepreneur in this new industry? Mm, good questions and great segue. Um, you know, we originally got interested in cannabis because we were looking for different ways to help the farmers in our local community here in Western North Carolina. You know, North Carolina was notoriously a big tobacco state. Yeah. And now the tobacco is almost nearly gone away in this state. We really wanted to see if there was a way that we could figure out a new cash crop, a new opportunity to farmers to get back to farming and make a living. So at the end of the day, that was the foundation of this pursuit. And what we realized as we were getting into it is that how we could best support these farmers is by building this vertically integrated system of businesses where we go ahead and build a big supply or not supply. I mean, a big sales arm that's going to require a larger supply, which trickles down to the farmers, because as we grow in sales and distribution, we need more plant material, which means that, you know, we're adding farms to our system of growers. So, you know, that's really where we came from grassroots and that was our intention. And every year that we get bigger and bigger, we're adding more farms to our grow permit, which is pretty awesome. And then, you know, be, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you're talking about tribulations and uh, just trials, like things that kind of make it a more difficult um, proposal than just starting any old business. Right. Um, you know, you got to look at basic things like credit card processing, for example, you know, you can't just go out there right now and, and find a, a credit card processor based in the United States who's willing to do work with you. Um, you know, and, and it goes for, you know, insurance, for example, you know, it took us maybe, I don't know, six to 12 months to figure out which insurance policies you know, are worthwhile, you know, you go out and you work with people, you give them a cash deposit, money gets taken. Um, we worked with PayPal to, to do some banking and, you know, large amounts of cash got, to, got taken. Um, oh, you know, just general, general things that other businesses don't have issues with, you know, um, our VP of sales comes from a traditional uh, business uh, background and, you know, he's blown away by just kind of the the uh, lack of uh, professionalism in this industry, you know, the difficulty in finding quality marketing, marketing, you know, you can't go um, on and advertise with your AdWords and traditional social media channels and things like that. So, you know, plug and play strategies in other industries are not applicable in here. So not only do you have, you know, a very competitive market, but then you also have a very, you know, just broad set of challenges that aren't um, present in other businesses. Yeah. Unlike other industries, you know, we can't go out and do Google ads and we can't go out and do Facebook ads. And, you know, you have to get like really creative in how you're going to use your marketing dollars because a lot of the traditional methods just flat out aren't available to us. So, you know, we've been through six credit card processors in the past two years. We've, you know, been through different banks and, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, Banks and credit card processors tend to have thin skin and get scared really easy, you know, Yeah, which is interesting to me because, you know, we're, we're pioneering an industry that's been in prohibition for 76 years. You know, we're on the forefront of this and, you know, we've had 
threats from the FDA, USDA, the NCDA, the SCDA, you know, they're all putting out these opinions and all these intimidation tactics to try to slow us down and back us up and get us on our heels. And we just keep pushing forward because we're very persistent and adamant about cannabis continuing to get into people's lives and take over a bigger market share of the pharmaceutical industry. And we're seeing that happen every day. It's super exciting. Yeah. And you want to talk about fortuitous timing. I mean, not only is that happening right in front of us, but literally the research is unfolding right in front of us. I mean, any other point in history, I don't know if the science would have been there to support the movement too on a medicinal therapeutic level, but right now it's right in front of us. I mean, it's happening every day. I know that's probably, I just got chills everywhere when you just said that, because they're, you know, at all of the, I, I know 101 people right now off the top of my head that I could list people who have fought the blood, the sweat, the tears, West coast to East coast, yeah. you know, the victims of the dr- war on drugs, all of these different things. And for, for these same generational decades, we have seen the propaganda around cannabis and hemp and the efficacy of its derivatives, um, you know, get pushed further and further into the line of the danger zone. And I think right now, there's just this perfect storm that allows the timing to re-educate, re-inform and empower, you know, independently, the people who are, you know, there's, there had to be this breaking point where the, you know, the opioid addiction was so severe in the, you know, in the different parts of the country that perhaps are not so affluent. Yeah, I'm from Kentucky, so I've seen it hit really hard. And and, Yeah, exactly. And so I think it had to be just bad enough that Middle Earth... I worked at a school before this, and they trained us on how to use Narcan at a school in case someone came into the school. I mean, that's what level we were at as a society where, you know, the opioid addiction really took, took hold. Yeah, absolutely. And it was no different for me, even in San Diego, where I finished high school and people had to start learning, you know, what overdoses looked like and how yeah. to have, and how you could deal with the emergency situation. So it's it's so bad that it crossed, you know, ethnic and financial barriers into into all of the communities. And I think that it got just loud enough that people started to actively seek out natural solutions. And when cannabis presented itself or hemp CBD or Kratom or any of these other plant-based medicines that are coming online right now presented itself as a viable solution, it was only natural for Israel to release the 50 years of research that they had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because it's our been- FDA here at home, uh, you know, won't recognize any of that, you know, half century of research, but you know, there's some there's some pretty powerful, nefarious, you know, money behind, I think, the FDA's motivation. Yeah, the billionaires are just yeah, gonna, the yeah, opioid absolutely. billionaires that we're literally talking about right here are the ones paying the, the politicians now to make all the noise and, and keep things, you know, status quo. Well, off the record, which I'm on the record right now, but I'm going to just say it anyways. 80% yeah, of the well, that's funding, a Las Vegas conversation. That's what old Bossman used to say. <laughs> exactly. 80% of the funding going to the FTC and the FDA and DSHAR coming from Big Pharma. So they're 80% farm, you know, uh, funded by them. So, you know, I take everything with at face value, grain of salt. It's like, it's like a cheating boyfriend who continuously lies to you and you're still just forced to listen to him. It's, yeah. it's the same situation. So. Yeah, we said we put the farm, F-A-R-M, back in pharmacy. So we're trying to change that narrative. 
You know, I think what I think the work that you guys are doing is so great. And I love your commitment to the farmer and and that the birth of this business is really about helping to restore the economy that this country was built on, which is on the backs of the farmers. And that really allows you guys to control the supply chain from start to finish. Talk to me about the culture that you guys are cultivating as a company and how that translates. Because one of the biggest challenges I've recognized with franchise models is the fact that the company culture as a whole doesn't translate from location to location. Um, It can get out of hand very, very quickly. And I, I recognize in my own research that you guys have been on a great job at maintaining both quality and consistency in client um, and customer experience. How did you guys cultivate that culture and how do you maintain it as you continue to grow and expand? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's all about leadership and we have great leadership in Jeff and Franny and they enable their employees to build systems that make it successful. So, you know, we really were able to use the farm as an asset. Um, We have Airbnbs on our farm and you can check us out. Um, we have a website, franniesfarm.com and, and we, I think we have 14 or occupancy or 16 occupancy out there and multiple units. Anyway, so the employees come up there and they really, you know, put the, their hands in the dirt. They, you know, embrace the culture. They spend a lot of time in our dispensaries. They spend time in our distribution center. They spend time in our manufacturing center. You know, they see the process, you know, they, they, they are really, um, and, you know, I don't want to use the word indoctrinated, but just kind of see from start to finish, you know, what we're about. Um, and yeah, it's a snapshot and, but, you know, we, we do a lot of site visits, too. So we're always going through and we're taking pulses with the franchisees and providing feedback and, you know, grows and glows like, hey, you know, I'm doing really well here and love the customer interactions. But I think we could, you know, polish up in this area. So, you know, it's all a communicative uh, process. And, you know, you solve problems by communicating. And that's what we really are trying to put, um, you know, our, 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 our money on. And, you know, you got to you got to pay people and support them. And I think that's you know, done through a living wage. And, and we really try hard to support that with all of our employees, uh, whether they're hourly bud tenders or salaried, salaried staff. Um, you know, we provide uh, benefits to full-time employees. You know, we provide options for employees to, to purchase stock through our online public offering on Start Engine. You know, so we really open up doors for them and, we, you know, we try to promote from within. So, you know, it, it really just tried to try to make that emanate out. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, I guess. Yeah, I would add to that that like, you know, a big part of the buy-in that we get from our, you know, direct employees and also from franchisees that are considering representing our brand, you know, there's really two other pillars other than having farming in the background and definitely one of our main, you know, interests. It would be like education, you know, our business model is in big part based on education in a brand new industry that people are unfamiliar with it's super important that we help people make educated consumer decisions. So every single person that works from this company, I don't care if you're in manufacturing, HR, if you're a bud tender in a retail space, or even in a, in our uh, distribution business, you're going to be an expert in this industry because anywhere you go, anybody you talk to, you have to be able to help them understand the ins and outs of this industry. And I think that's lacking in a lot of other brands that we're seeing out there across the country. The second thing that I wanted to bring up is just the sheer quality. And you were talking about this a little bit earlier. You know, we're finding more and more that like consumers, they want to know where these products are coming from. They want to know where the ingredients are coming from. And they want to know that, you know, their quality ingredients put together to make quality finished products. And I think we've done a pretty good job of positioning ourselves and our products as some of the best products in the industry because we're not the cheapest brand out there. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we're not the cheapest brand out there. We're not competing on price. 
we're competing on quality. And thus far, we've been very successful with it. And through the franchise model, you know, we're getting people to buy into our franchise model because of the quality, because of the story, because of the training that we're offering. They just aren't getting that from any other CBD franchise or any other franchisors out there. And we early on figured it out and we're making sure that we're offering all those different aspects so that when people look around and compare us to other franchise models, you know, we stand out and we're seeing that in the success that we're having. What comes along with one of your franchises? When I talk to businesses, um, you know, of all different phases and stages, you know, there's this huge desire to have ownership of something that is your own, while I'm also recognizing a pretty significant deficit in somebody's ability to create a recognizable brand, um, you know, to build a company culture, um, to really identify and connect with a specific avatar that is will act as well, sort of the strategy to be a business owner and you don't have necessarily the wherewithal or the creativity or the time and any you know bevy of reasons why you know uh, and yeah i mean it's it's a crazy space i think you know jeff has more experience in the franchise business he actually franchised uh burrito shop in the early aughts before you know chipotle and all those things kind of took off so for me it's a brand new business i guess it had an odd connotation of it um but it's it's definitely um you know, we're seeing people change their lives for this. I mean, they're, 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 you know, uh, for example, we have a Hickory franchisee, you know, he stopped doing a, a pharmacy career, uh, saw the value in this and decided to shift gears and open a Franny's franchise, you know, um, you know, we have a, a former software engineer in Athens, Georgia, who, you know, owned a farm and for years, like wanted a dispensary, never knew how, saw our ad come across on a, on a, on a Leafly, you know, we did some native advertising with Leafly and it came across and, he was like immediately like called us. And then 70 days later, he had a dispensary, you know, and he has been on cloud nine ever since then, because he not only gets to be the business center he's always wanted, he gets to be the bastion of change in his community, bringing a quality product. You know, he, he has daughters and a wife and he feels good about, you know, female founded female brand. I mean, it just all like checks all the boxes for him and he doesn't have to spin his wheels on how to make it successful. Yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing out there is that, you know, once people get past the hemp fever and think that this is a get rich quick industry and, you know, they're like, yeah, I can just go open up my own shop. You know, once they get going and get into it and those customers start coming through your doors and they start asking the pertinent questions like, oh, yeah, well, where's your product from? And, you know, the pretty typically what we're hearing is that, well, it's from out west, you know, and, oh, OK, great. Where were the plants grown? Um I don't know. You know what I mean? And what's in the products? I don't know. You know, that's like, a pretty common, sorry. that's a pretty common, uh, conversation we have with people that come into our retail shops that they're like, you know, Oh yeah, I went to the place up the road and then I came in here and they're like, wow, that's like a night and day experience because of the level of education that we're giving people when they walk in the door. So this industry, and I know, you know, this, this industry is way more complex and involved than anybody on the outside looking in thinks because all the ingredients, when you're talking about isolate and distillate and crude and phytocannabinoids and all the different plant components, you know, I would implore you to walk into the shops all across the United States and see what level of in-depth conversation you can have with whoever's representing that shop. I can tell you from experience, I travel all over the country it's not very well represented. So that's been a big part of what we're all about, man. It's all about the education and making sure that when people come into our place, they're going to have an entirely different experience than walking into any other of these pop-up get-rich-quick shops that are out there. I um, 
I really like how you guys <clears throat> frame and talk about the reality of the industry. And, um, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to feel punch drunk by the um, hemp fever that you talked about. It's, it is, you know, there's so many people out there, especially the marketers who are out there being like, uh, this is a $22 billion industry and everybody <laughs> should get in while they still can. And, you know, and it's like, um, it, it's they have a, a graph. I mean, it has to be real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's pretty interesting to watch, but I'm talking like I literally quite literally before getting onto the phone with you guys today, um, was having a conversation with a business owner who's been wildly successful in his other space, um, you know, as a marketer and, and, and is really struggling, you know, five years into his business is really struggling to, you know, just break even at $5,000 a month. And like my, I'm always astonished to see like how long and how hard business owners will ride this train before they throw in the towel. And my question always is, you know, if it's not working, when are you willing to stop? And have you ever asked yourself the question, how do you apply your current skill sets to an already existing brand or business so that you can, you know, piggyback off of their success and contribute to the way that they will grow? you know, as an educated and professional person, what would be some of the things that you would say as a business owner, um, you know, as a business owner, as a powerful brand and contender in the industry right now, what are some of the skill sets that you guys are looking to incorporate or bring into your business um, that you always feel like is a value add? Um, and, and how would you like to be approached by those people who have those skill sets? How do they find you? And, you know, how do they, how do they position themselves in a way that makes you as the business owner confident that they're capable of filling those gaps? <laughs> I like the way you segued into that because, you know, what you have is you, the competition out there is flush with cash. You said it, we all know it. The problem is, is that a lot of them are late to the game and the vast majority of them don't understand this industry. And they definitely don't understand consumerism in this particular industry. And it goes back to what I said. It's not as easy as it looks. It's not as simple as it looks at all. And, you know, yes, we have our brand. We have our pathway. We have not brought in a bunch of investment money. We don't have VCs. We don't have equity partners. We don't have any of that. We have bootstrapped, grassrooted every one of these businesses that comprises our vertical integration. Now, with that said, this year, as established as we are as a brand and as we're getting more national attention, I'm open to conversations. What am I looking for when I have a conversation with somebody that might be interested in becoming part of a, a brand that's going somewhere that has the staying power and longevity? I'm looking for talent, not just money. I'm looking for talent. I want people that understand systems and know how to do marketing and know how to do sales and know how to do you know financial management and all that. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're still a small company. We're 30 to 40 employees that's managing all of this. So, you know, we've gotten this far with our brand. And if we had more capital and more talent, there's just no telling where we could go with this. And that's exactly what my goal is this year, is to probably raise more capital and find more talent so we can just grow this brand faster. Yeah, people that are, people that are flexible, problem solvers. Um, you know, it, it's a hundred mile an hour type business, you know, dog geared kind of whatever business where, 
you know, seriously, one or two weeks feels maybe like a quarter or, you know, two quarters of, of time. So, you know, you got to be ready to work. I mean, we work seven days a week. We don't take a lot of days off. Um, you know, we're always, you know, ready to kind of meet that new unseen hurdle, that new letter that's going to come out down the road. And, you know, to me, it's just really funny how a lot of these brands have positioned themselves. Because if you look at what's been successful in other spaces, you know, the farm to table movement and the craft brewery movement, you know, people want to see a traceability to a product. You don't want to walk into a brewery and be like, you know, where was this brewed? And they say, well, you know, I don't really know. Or, well, out West and, you know, we just buy it. Or, hey, you know, we pay someone to actually make this. And um, we don't, you know, we just give them a recipe and then they make it over there. And then they sell it back to us. And then we're going to sell it to you today. I mean, that story is not successful. So really, you know, to me, it's, it's just, it's a tried and true model. I mean, what we're trying to do is recreate that in the cannabis space. Um, you know, seed the shelf. And, and for us, that's really where we're going with this is health and wellness brand. And, you know, we want to position our stores and spaces that are near gyms and, uh, you know, uh, physical therapies and, uh, you know, all those kind of uh, nice, uh, you know, for example, we're, we're doing a store in Westport, Connecticut. We're going to be next to, a, you know, a, a Urban Outfitters, a Savannah Bee Company, a Peloton, you know, very nice major uh, retail brands. And you can say whatever you want about their ethics as companies, but, you know, people spend money there. Uh, and, and that's, you know, we're, we, there are people trust them and people, you know, are, are in the stores and that's where we want to be. I'm kind of laughing a little bit because Brandon made me think of something that's along the same lines, which is that, you know, this industry is happening so fast and it's so complex that when employees come in for an interview or potential employees come in for an interview and they're looking for a job description, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not the right person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I need people that can think independently and can bring game to the table that can adjust on the fly that are innovative, creative. So if you're looking for a job description or a training and, manual, yeah. And a training <laughs> manual, um, you're not getting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? The cool thing <laughs> is, is that, you know, we've, built our reputation up to be so good in the industry that when we do have an opening or a position, we're getting three to 500 applicants stretched all across this country that, you know, have an entirely different level of interest and follow-up to try to become part of our organization. But if you get in with us, you better be ready to do it because the expectation's high and it's the only way we operate. And that's the way we roll is because this is happening so fast. I only want the best of the best talent. That's it. I love it. I love it. You guys better get hungry because this is like, <laughs> this is like the craziest thing ever. I swear. Um, okay. So Next question I have for you guys. And in a minute, we're going to segue into the quote unquote words of wisdom. Although you guys are dropping bombs all over this place, like it's Hiroshima. But um, I, I'm going to ask you like more specifically, like what are, you know, what are some words of wisdom here in just a second? But I first want to ask you guys, you know, with all of the ways that you guys have diversified revenue, whether it's through Airbnb or, you know, having a you pick blueberry um, spot on your farm, what are some of the new things that we have to look forward to with, um, with Franny? Like, I, I have to know what are some of the new goals that I know you, you said education, every company says education. What does that actually mean? What are the initiatives? What are some of the goals? How do your communities reflect your guys's success what is the social efficacy that you guys are building in to your business right now and what are the goals that you have for 2020 
Well, you missed the sexiest revenue stream of them all, which is goat yoga. I'm sorry. Are those those tiny little creatures that I saw your wife holding on the website? You want to see a funny afternoon? Wait till we have a, a bachelorette party from New York City come down to Asheville for the weekend and getting away. And they come in and do some goat yoga. It yeah. is. It's a time. I'll and then people love it. But no, on a more serious note to, to really kind of address your question is that my wife and I have taken it upon ourselves to become part of the North Carolina University Research Program. It's a three-year program. It is currently generating the only really genuinely bona fide data collected over multiple years that's going to go into reports, that's going to have statistics about different strains and different inputs into the strains from soil preparation to different types of nutrients and the different pests that we've dealt with. And this is going to be over a period of three years. So, you know, it's really important that as we travel across the country and get in front of hundreds and thousands of people that we're honest with people about what they're getting into when they get into this industry. And, you know, we talk to farmers and we talk to processors and we talk to wannabe retailers and we talk to people that cover the entire spectrum of interest in this industry. And I, I think it's very unfortunate that you can go out on the Internet and you can read various pieces of literature that mislead people to think that it's relatively easy to grow an acre of cannabis and make $100,000. Do you know how many times I've gotten phone calls from people that have read that very same piece of literature? And I'm like, listen, do you want to talk to a guy that's grown for three years going on four years now? Or do you want to read something on the internet that is completely misinforming you as to what the reality is on the ground? So I think it's really important to when you deal with people and talk and interact with people to just be honest about the reality of it. It's farming. It's grueling. It's hard. It's the highest risk aspect of this entire industry. I always advise people, start small. Make sure that you source really good genetics from a reputable source. Figure out what it takes to grow a really good, high-quality plant because if, if you don't do that, you're done. You can spend all the money, do all the work, and end up with a zero at the end if you haven't gone into it knowing that it's a very high-risk business. So that's my offer and my wife's offer to the community is just being honest with people. This is not easy. There's nothing easy about this. Be prepared for failure because their chances are the vast majority of the people that jump into this without doing the homework and the research are not going to be successful. So true. I was just visiting on the Western Slope um, and I've, I, this, this inspired another question of mine. I was just visiting on the Western Slope in, in Colorado where I was meeting with a handful of farms who like saw the sex appeal <clears throat> like it was a Las Vegas strip club. They were like, yeah, the cannabis industry, the hemp industry, like yeah. let's throw a handful of seeds out in this dirt and get busy. And like they grew their whole thing and they're calling me, you know, uh, at the end of their first season. And they're like, hi, we have 3000 pounds of biomass and about 600 pounds of smokable flour and just wondering, curious, uh, do you know anywhere we might be able to sell it? And I was like, guys. <laughs> yeah, you and 2,000 other farmers across the country. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the problem is that, you know, we have an imbalance in the supply and demand, particularly coming out of the 2019 harvest. 
it's ugly out there. I feel bad for these people that, yeah. you know, got misled into there's an unlimited demand. If you grow it, they'll buy it. And um sorry, no. but that is not the reality. It's so bad here. I mean, you know, there's some local hemp growing groups and, and one of the guys posted at the end of last year, he's like, how much will someone pay me to come take these plants out of my ground? Like literally it's that bad. Like don't even want to get them out of ground. Don't even like they just have no idea. People don't know to trim it. Like there's just no, and especially on the East coast. I mean, you know, a lot of the growers left and, and the like awareness of cannabis culture and cannabis knowledge here is, is rather limited. And what grows well out here is not, you know, well-documented. Like Jeff said, we're really working hard on the educational piece to provide growers, you know, a, a successful strain and a successful process and standard operating procedures to be successful, but just jumping in, you know, two feet first with no plan for success, no processor, you know, it, it's definitely tough to uh, profitability. Are you yeah, building? It kind of breaks my heart. I get a lot of phone calls because yeah. we're so high profile. I get a lot of phone calls from farmers. That, I mean, it breaks my heart to have to sit there and tell them like, you know, yeah. I'm really sorry, but you know, you're in, that pool of farmers that got in without like seeing the end game. And unfortunately I just don't have good news for you right now. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was somewhat of my sentiment. However, the, the silver lining is knowing that there are brands like yours who are starting to work on behalf of, you know, the, the, the farmers who are still really passionate and interested. So uh, for clarification's sake, I don't want to make any assumptions, but uh, one of my friends um, who owns a, you know, pretty significant hemp brand um, is also pulling together a coalition of farmers um, who they supply the strains, the education, um, you know, the basically all of the infrastructure that you need to become a hemp farmer. And then they, the, because they have such a significant distribution, they come back and they purchase at market value from you as one of the partnered farms, as long as you followed all of the yeah. SOPs and its quality and blah, blah, blah. Is that something that you guys have built into your business model where you're enrolling farms who want to operate under that type of umbrella? Maybe they have two to five acres they want to grow. Um, yeah, or more farms this year? Yeah, well, so 2018, we had the capacity to grow what we needed to get us through to the 2019 harvest. So with the rate of growth that we've had in our distribution and retail businesses, we had to go ahead and, you know, contract with four other farms. And we were able to buy their plant material from the 2019 harvest. And you know, I'm the numbers guy. So I'm doing all the projections about, you know, what plant yields are and how many plants that equates to and looking at, you know, how many plants per acre. And, you know, we can kind of project out and extrapolate like what we're going to need for 2021. And it's looking like I'm going to have to add more farms this year. Now, I mean, I want to be careful in saying that that doesn't mean that like we're this, you know, Coca-Cola or Budweiser of the CBD and hemp industry that I need like a hundred, hundred farms growing for me, you know, realistically, if I can add another two, three, four farms for the 2020 grow season, then we're right on track. You know, maybe someday this brand's going to get big enough that I can hire, you know, farms further down the Piedmont into the state of North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. I don't know, but you know, it's slow growth. I mean, I know people think this industry is like going to be a, $23 billion industry by 2026. And it very well may be, but it's a still, it's still a slow growth business, especially when you only get one grow season per year. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't want to mislead anybody and think like, yeah, man, we're, you know, we're your solution to helping you keep growing. We're no, just certainly the model. The, the, I think the thing that I'm looking for, because, you know, I'm, I'm supporting a lot of brands and businesses and, and farmers thinking about how they can work, you know, how they can work through the challenge of fuck, I didn't plan properly for, you know, where I was going to put this stuff. Right. Um, and my advice to them is, you know, create a coalition, get a, get a brand who already has the distribution and develop a, you know, relationship with them and then just do the piece of it that you're best at and provide that brand, you know, don't try and make your freaking whatever it's going to, you know, the Holly Hopes hemp com- company, like nobody cares about that. You know what I mean? Work with the brands that are already established yeah. in the community. Well, yeah, yeah. Value. There's a lot of pride that gets in the way of that. We've seen that happen a lot of times, you know, people really want to be the, you know, in charge and do things their yeah. way. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that doesn't always lead to success. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree. Well, you guys have a lot to celebrate right now. And I'm looking, you know, I, I've been looking. And one of the things that excited me most about what you guys are releasing right now is your mommy and me products. Um, I, being a mom of four and having used hemp's, uh, hemp and cannabis derivatives on my kids um, for as long as I can remember. Um, and my and watching my aunts and my uncles who are considered to be the Straganona, Straganona's sort of woodland fairies of the humble hills, um, they've been making this stuff for years and using it with us for years. Right. I, you know, I have not yet seen, and I've been talking about it a lot. But you are probably one of the first companies that I have seen create baby products. You know, from hemp derivative, and so that was one of the things where I was like ding nailed it you guys are gonna kill with that what's up whose idea was to was that to put that into the into the fold and what is your guys's plan to like make that a huge thing because hello moms everywhere need hemp all over their babies well yeah i mean i'll tell you my uh my wife just had a baby in october and so she was able to use a lot of those products um we have a breast boosting bomb that was great for her as she was nursing our baby um, and so it was really nice to, you know, see that in action and, you know, it, it's branded, like you said, very beautifully, a nice pink bop. And then we do have a baby line. Um, you know, we have a lot of plans to, to kind of keep pushing that forward through, uh, some, uh, some testimonial marketing and some product placement, but I don't know, Jeff, I mean, what do we have on? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the decision-making in this company about directions and where we go is by committee. You know, we get our executive management team and we get our, you know, or production workers and we get everybody together and we talk about, you know, what types of new products would we like to see out there? What's going to be popular? What's going to be in demand? What aren't other companies doing? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's, what's going to drive the decision-making for us. Yeah. But I think something that's really, really important again, that is along the same vein as education is that, you know, I want to caution consumers that when they go out there and they look at products and they see CBD on the label, they need to dig deeper than that. Because if you go in and you see that a product contains CBD, you need to look at what the other ingredients are that's in that product. Because just because it has CBD doesn't mean that the other stuff in it is necessarily beneficial and maybe even in some cases harmful. If you were to take any one of our products... And it could be the women's line, the pet line, the edible line, the men's line, the baby line, or any of them and take the CBD out of it. Our products are going to be great on their own 
without the CBD. When you put the CBD in them, it just has that extra enhanced added benefit of having cannabinoids in it. I want people to make sure they're reading the ingredients because it's super important so that they don't get taken advantage of. Right. Oh man. So important. If I can't pronounce the, if I cannot pronounce the ingredients on the label, there was no way I was going to use it on myself um, or my child, especially while I was breastfeeding. So I think that it's so important. And, you know, for those of you guys who are listening and, and just heard that piece of advice, I literally cannot tell you how important it is that you actually implement on that because, you know, seven out of 10 products don't even have active milligram um, of CBD in their product. So you really have to, you really do a further depth of research because a lot of the brands that are, are holding, holding, you know, first place positions, quote unquote, are right. paying to play. They are spending exorbitant amounts of money to make sure that they have top line um, exposure to you. That doesn't necessarily mean that because they're the easiest to find that they're the best to use. So always take your time to self-inform and self-educate and look past the glossy advertisements and find the things that are true truly carrying the medicinal properties and ingredients that you can pronounce. There's plenty of non-synthetic ingredients that are going to make a difference in how you feel and function on a daily basis. Okay. Go ahead. You're fine. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, I want to segue into the quote unquote words of wisdom. And this is really an opportunity for, um, for you guys to talk about. uh, First of all, before we get into words of wisdom, one more question. Talk to me about your guys' products. What are you things that you guys think set you guys furthest apart? I know we just talked a little bit about ingredients. I know that you guys stabilize your supply chain because you're working soil to sale. Um, but what do you think are the other, you know, two or three things that really set you guys apart in the marketplace full of noisy brands? Sure. Um, you know, what are those things that make you guys different? Yeah, was, oh, that's a good of? question because I was kind of thinking about saying this when you were talking about the, the baby products. You know, if you go to our manufacturing facility, uh, it's a GMP compliant facility. So that really means that it, it's dialed in from a cleanliness and standard protocol perspective. So, you know, we're checking ingredients in, we're checking ingredients out. Things have lot numbers, batch numbers. Um, and what we're really able to do there, you know, too, is is ensure quality control. And so we have a team that operates now seven days a week to uh, ensure that, you know, products are being made, products are being tested. Um, and I think, you know, too, just the small batch level, I mean, everything's made with love. Everything's made by hand. You know, things aren't sitting around for, for months at a time and some warehouse and being shipped from one part of the country to another part of the country. You know, they're made with love and then literally walked up to our distribution center and shipped out to you. And, and you know, very often those products could be less than several weeks old. So I think that is, is a big part of it. Um, in, in, in our products, you know, selection, we use only therapeutic grade essential oils, um, you know, mostly organic, organic products. We have a couple that, you know, still aren't, but we're really working on, um, you know, making sure our employees are, are paid living wage. I think I kind of talked about that earlier, but I think that's a big, you know, part of who we are is making sure that, you know, we take care of our people. And, you know, if you take care of your people, then I think they'll take care of the clients. And, you know, that's a big part of who we are and our messaging, um, and I don't know what else do we really, uh, I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head as well is that, you know, we aren't using 100% certified organic ingredients, but we're definitely using as close to it as we possibly can. Unfortunately, 
for, you know, some of the ingredients that we need for the broad array of products that we have, we have to use some that are on the organic side. But with that said, Brandon hit the nail on the head. Everything we're doing is small batch. It's all being tested. We have really rigorous quality control measures in place. And, you know, it's a big part of what's making our products stand out among all the noise that's out there. It just is. Well, I believe you. I was super excited when I started to find you guys. I was like, oh my God, and look at the goat and look at they have baby stuff. And James, did you see what they're doing with the farms? I want to go pick blueberries. I absolutely, and you guys told me that, what? You said come stay on the farm. I was just going to say, and then I figured out, found out that you guys have like Airbnbs on the actual farm, like clear one out, call the maid. I'm on my way right now. I'm like, I'm bringing my kids. We need a, like a goatee babysitter over there. It's going to be so. In the summer, you can bring them, drop them off and then maybe mommy and daddy go can go into town. <laughs> that's a little more fun. Yeah, that know. sounds great to me. And by the <laughs> way, my 17 year old has been working with the plants since he was like 10 years old. So he'd be a really good helping hand. (laughs) We'll come around May and June. We'll be super busy. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay. In this final segment, words of wisdom, I'd love to hear um, from you guys, knowing what you know now, coming through what you've come through and knowing that there are budding entrepreneurs and young blood business owners who are trying to break through glass ceilings and brick walls. You have already given some incredible pieces of advice I want to hear from each one of you, what would you say to the budding entrepreneur or young blood business owner who is trying to gain traction and momentum with their brand and business? What are some of the key considerations or key things that they need to know to accelerate their success or just not fuck it up so bad that they fail altogether? Start small. I mean, don't get in over your head because if you start making big investments into inventory and things that you can't move, you're starting with a bad business model. The other thing is, is that, you know, you got to be ready to do it all. You got to be able to do it all yourself or you better have the money to build your team. Because, I mean, you know, if you're going to try to even remotely mimic what we're doing, you know, you got to have the business savvy and experience to do it. You got to know how to market. You got to know how to ship. You got to know how to package. You got to know all that. And it takes time and money to figure all that out. So, you know, I personally think, and I've been saying it for a while, that if you're not in the game at this point and you're not getting traction at this point, it's going to be tough. It's going to be an uphill battle because in my opinion, uh, for a lot of people, that train's already left the station and you might, what you were saying earlier, you might want to see if there's a way for you to partner with somebody that's already got a machine that's working for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just add too. I mean, on the sales side, um, you know, I've kind of learned a lot trial by fire. I've, I've learned a couple lessons and, you know, being just super communicative and, and, you know, trying to respond to people right away. I found in this industry, I mean, that's not a standard. Uh, so I really try to reach out to folks right away, connect with them right away. Um, really show, uh, you know, honest feedback and, and kind of talk through them. And then, you know, w- when we do trade shows and things like that, I think one thing I learned is, um, you know, make sure you're following up with leads right away. If you see a good lead, you know, connect with them right there, you know, get their phone number, put it right in your system. Like, don't let them 
squirrel away and go, you know, we do some franchise trade shows and, you know, they're going to go see 40 other booths. And if you don't make that connection right now and really show your value and show your worth, you know, it's, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to come to fruition. And, you know, the, somebody told me that, you know, for every day, every hour, or no, for every day you wait, you can throw away, you know, five to 10 leads at those type of events. So, you know, just being overly communicative and, um, and just being flexible too. I mean, we've had so many deals come to the table and, you know, we get down to the last thing and, and there's, you know, a, a clause to be adjusted or a, you know, $5,000 here for, you know, these just kind of things that I think if you, you know, took a hard line on and weren't willing to be flexible. I think you're going to, you know, just, just watch a lot of business walk out the window or walk through the door rather. Such good key pieces of advice. And I think a lot of folks take that for granted. You know, they, there's always this allure bigger is better, right? The Trump mentality where they have to be the biggest and the richest and the best. And, you know, all of these things where I think that there's a lot taken for granted and a lot that's missed in being able to slowly grow in a sustainable way and earn your respect and reputation and more importantly, trust within the industry. So I'll piggyback off of what you guys have said to offer, you know, one, one key piece of advice here. Um, If you are a brand newbie and you have never tried your hand working with or on behalf of this plant, you are in for a treat and the trial of your entire life. Mary Jane, who, by the way, is the same as cannabis, as hemp, as CBD, as marijuana, they're all the same. Okay, there's just relatives and little small things that make them different, but they're all the same. Cannabis is the same. And she is a demanding woman. Okay, she wants and needs your time and attention. So if you're married and you have kids, tell them to fucking hold on a second while you go and take care of your mistress. Mary Jane, when is properly cared for, will pay you over and over and over again in love, in prosperity, in recognition, respect, and trust within the space. But if you falter and you try and go too big, too fast, you will fail. It's inevitable. You have to use 80% of your time and efforts into planning and about 20% on execution. And again, I say this over and over again, but nobody listens. No matter how mature this industry gets, it is still a relationship-based business. So how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you don't follow up and you don't follow through, the opportunities are going to pass you by because someone less talented with less experience and less knowledge and know-how is going to follow up and pass you by getting the opportunities that you were once looking for. So make sure that you plan ahead, follow up, stay in integrity with your word and grow slow. There's no shame in doing something small really, really well so that you accumulate the resources necessary to do the next big best thing. And again, your nucleus is in your community. So you don't have to always think about having a national or, you know, international company. Start about thinking about what problem you want to solve for your community first, the people that you want to be working on behalf of every day, and the products will and, um, and support will be a natural byproduct of your passion for solving that problem for the specific people who are in your community. And they will thank you over and over and over again, every single time. That's my words of wisdom. And I'm su- super grateful for you guys for how you're approaching building this business and the reputation that it's contributing to, to showcase how professional we can and should be as an industry, but how careful, how full of care we can be as business owners, as you start to 
to build and grow your brands and businesses. I'm just, I'm so super proud and very honored um, to get to know you guys and to continue to be a support system for how you guys are growing. Well, thanks for having us. And, you know, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to get our story out there. And if only one person sees this, that it helps them make better decisions in their business pursuit, then I think it's been a success. So thank you for putting this together. Yeah, thanks for the thoughtful questions too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just I'm super proud and hopefully one day I get to meet your lovely wives and babies. I love um I love family-owned businesses that are operated by good friends. So, absolutely yeah. love that and please let us know how we can continue to support. If folks want to find you and your products, where's the best place for them to go? www.frannyspharmacywithanf.com and um if you are into having the real life farm experience go to www.frannysfarm.com and we are happy to have you in any of our dispensaries we're gonna launch a brand new rendition of our website this month and it's very educationally based so be on the lookout for that but uh, our website right now is up and running fully functional there's plenty of educational material on there so check it out i'd point you in that direction first and foremost Man, it looks really good to have just you can get a call from Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh I've been cruising around on your website for the last couple of days in preparation for the interview and it's so user-friendly, super informative, very simple. So for you guys who um are tuning in, make sure that you check out the social media handles as well as the website links that you will see posted around this interview along with the show notes, show highlights and all of the mentionables that were will be included in the blog surrounding this video. Hey guys, I want to thank you again so much for your time and attention. And for those of you who are tuning in with us, thank you so much for being a part of our community. Because you have liked and shared content just like this video today, we have been able to impact hundreds of millions of people's lives around the world. And quite literally, you and your participation, because you will like and share this video and are tagging five people that you know are going to get benefit from this, you have made it possible for us to move the needle towards global legalization and acceptance, transforming the way that we think about and talk about cannabis and hemp inside of our families and communities. So thank you so much. I invite you now to like and share this content. Make sure that you tag five people that you know it'll make a difference for. And I continue to serve you every single day with my mission to empower you and educate you with the truth about cannabis and hemp from the industry's perspective, but also as a, as a person who's looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results you're looking for. Check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some of our favorite picks on products. And if you're a budding entrepreneur, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.